Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Colts Coffee and Conversation. My name is Carl. And I'm Holly. And like welcome to another wonderful edition of Colts Coffee and Conversation. How are you, Holly? I'm doing well, and you, Carl? I'm doing delightful. Thank you. Alrighty, we're getting back into the, the Moonies, but before we do that, we're going to give a shout out to all of our Coltonites out there who continue to support us and give us that encouragement that we all need, and that is you, Coltonites. Thank you. But how do you do it? Let me tell you how to do it. We have our Facebook fan page at Colts Coffee Conversation. We have our Instagram at Colts Coffee Convo. We have the Twitter machine, Colts Coffee Con 1. That is Colts Coffee Con and the number 1. And our email address at Colts Coffee Convo at gmail.com. But wait, there is more. Holly, take it away. You take your smartphone and you do a voice memo and you send it off to Colts Coffee Convo at gmail.com. Beautiful. Alrighty, guys, before we get into our cult and our conversation, we must talk about our coffee. Holly, what are you drinking? I am drinking a simple hot cafe mocha today. Oh, very nice. Very delectable. Delectable? Delightable. Somethingable. Anyway, delicious. I'm drinking, of course, a cold brew with the sweet cream and the cold foam. That is a concoction and a half. All right. Okay. Are you ready to get into it, Holly? I am ready to get into it. Okay. Before we go any further, guys, we found a discovery. We, as in Holly, she found the discovery of a, a recent article about the Moonies and actually the insights of the downfall of the Moonies. Okay. And we're going to give the credit where credit is due. Okay. We found it on the New Republic, written by Mariah Blake back in 2013, November 12th, to be specific. So we were kind of going through a bunch of stuff and and trying to figure out how we could kind of put the cherry on top of this group, and Holly stumbled across this. So what we're going to do is we're basically going to go through the article. The article is huge. Was it 16 pages? Of, yeah, the, that I got off of the uh, the article yeah, that I six, put on paper. It's yeah. a massive, massive article. So what we're going to do is we're basically going to go, we're going to read and react. We might not say nothing, but it's all... It's been fact-checked, so we're just going to get into it. Are you ready, Holly? Yes, this will be a two-part. It's a two-part one, that's correct, because we are not going to be reading 16 pages <laughs> in a row. No, thank you. All righty, guys. Ready? Let's buckle up. Let's do this. Okay. One Sunday morning, February 2010, Bob Exler, uh, a 50-something engineer, arrived at the faded ranch house in northwest Houston, where he regularly worshipped the Reverend Sun Young Moon, and most people who know Moon for his massive weddings and his ultra-conservative newspaper, the Washington Times. But Exer, who joined the Moon's Unification Church in 1972, had been inspired by Moon's mission to rebuild the traditional family. He told me, and I quote, now when I say me, this is Mariah Blake, and I say, and quote, I didn't want to be a part of the McDonald's drive through society where you go from one partner to another, end quote. Now, for many years, the Sunday service had followed an unchanging routine. Now, Exler and his wife, Susan, who were matched by Moon and married in a mass ceremony at Madison Square Garden, which we've covered in a previous podcast, joined fellow disciples in pledging their loyalty to the portrait of Moon, or as they called him, True Father. They would sing hymns in Korean and English and listen to his sermons by a rotating cast of elders. But on this particular Sunday, Exler and his fellow congregants arrived to find that the portrait of their leader in his traditional Korean robe had vanished. In its place was a widescreen television with simulcast footage of the Reverend Moon's 45-year-old daughter, Injun, 
speaking from a podium at the Manhattan Center, the concert venue where America Got Talent was filmed. With her thick makeup and sculptured red hair, Injun bore a striking resemblance to a game show host. After welcoming the 106 churches all across the country that were tuning in, she pointed out the church's new Liberace piano, mm. a rhinestone-encrusted Baldwin Grand. Glorious. Her love of Liberace, she explained, dated back to a show she had seen in Las Vegas as a child. Mm. I must say that he was fabulous, she recalled, in an affected British accent. He used to fly through the air, hoisted on a cable. He wore glorious capes, and some were rhinestones, some were velvet, and they all had different textures. At first, Exler was intrigued, but after months of watching Injun's broadcasts, which had replaced the church's normal services, his fascination turned to dismay. We just turned on the TV, sat there for 90 minutes, and then everyone went home, says Exler. The sense of community was destroyed. All right, so Injun had assumed control of the U.S. church at a, a precarious moment for Moon's religious empire. Now, her father had come to the United States from Korea nearly 40 years earlier, uh, aiming to subjugate, quote, in quote, subjugate America as the first phase of a plan to establish a new world order. Now, Moon had gone on to amass extraordinary political influence, building a vast network of powerful right wing organizations and forging alliances with every Republican presidential administration since Ronald Reagan's. Now, in 2004, he and his wife even staged an elaborate coronation ceremony in the uh, Durkinson Senate's office building, which at least had a dozen lawmakers attended. Now, the Republican Representative Roscoe Barlett uh, bowed down before the couple and Democrat Danny Davis carried one of the two golden crowns that were placed on their heads. Now, Moon then informed the audience that, quote, kings and presidents, end quote, had declared him, and quote, the humanity's savior, end quote. And Jesus, Buddha, Hitler, Stalin had been reborn as new persons through his teachings. Ooh, that's a list. In recent years, Moon plans to remake America and salvage humanity as it runs into trouble. Now, the followers had drifted away. His political influence has been ebbed. And uh, with his 19th birthday, I'm sorry, 90th, my apologies, 90th birthday approaching, he increasingly looked to his children to serve his life's work. Injun Moon, his wife's fourth child, seemed suited for the task. She had a modern American upbringing and a master's degree from Harvard. In 2009, she took over the Unification Church of America and introduced a bold modernization program. Her aim, she said, was to transform the church into one that people, especially young people, were dying to join. She renamed the church Love and Life Ministries, shelved the old hymn books, and launched a rock band, an offshoot of which played New York clubs under the moniker Sonic Cult. She also discarded the old Korean-inspired traditions. Bows and chanting gave way to guitar hero parties, open mics, concerts, and ping-pong tournaments. What's more, Injin broke some long-standing taboos. Rather than adhering to the church line on arranged marriage, for example, she encouraged young people to play a role in choosing their own spouses. Mm. 
Her reforms were met with heated resistance. Across the country, Moon's disciples took to the internet to denounce Injun's bling-bling style and her ridiculous accent. <laughs> One online critic <laughs> dubbed her ministry the Mushroom Church because all you do is sit passively in the dark and are fed bovine excrement. Ooh, flavorful. Within two years, nationwide monthly attendance plunged from roughly 26,000 to less than 7,500, wow. according to the internal church documents. Interesting. Yet Injun persisted, confident that, with time, she would win over the doubters and bring her father's church into the modern era. Now, in early 2012, she gave an upbeat sermon about music, motherhood, and true love, saying, quote, that this is an incredible year, and I feel so many wonderful things are going to unfold, end quote. She also says that this is about you and me, about America, and this is about our future. But after the service was over, Injun disappeared from public view. She stopped delivering the weekly broadcast and even quit showing up to the church's Manhattan headquarters. After several months passed with no sign of her, uh, some parishioners began pressing for information on her whereabouts. Now, they were blocked at every turn. Even the highest circles of the church leadership couldn't or wouldn't say what had happened to Injun Moon. Now, before long... It became clear that the House of Moon was crumbling and Injin had become caught up in its downfall. But her disappearance was only one of a much more complicated saga, one that involved illegitimate children, secret sex rituals, foreign spy agencies, and family of Vice President Joe Biden. Even by Moon's famously eccentric standards, the collapse of his American project would turn out to be a spectacular and deeply strange. The central pillar of Moon's theology held that Eve had a dalliance with Satan in the Garden of Eden and then slept with Adam, which is how human beings were burdened with original sin. Eesh. Moon also believed that people, movements, and even entire countries embodied these biblical figures. He himself was the perfect Adam, and his mission was to help mankind reclaim its original goodness by forging a new world order led by Korea, the Adam nation. <laughs> America, the archangel nation, would play a key role in this mission by helping Korea to rout communism, after which it would bow down to the Korean-led regime with Moon as its king and messiah. Mm. The nationalistic overtones of Moon's teachings appealed to some influential Koreans, including several English-speaking South Korean army officers. Among them was a savvy young colonel named Bo Hai Pak, whom Moon tapped as his deputy. In 1961, the military ousted South Korea's democratic government, and several Moon acolytes were catapulted into key posts including inside the Korean Central Intelligence Agency, or KCIA. Bo Hai Pak was dispatched to Washington, D.C., where he served as a liaison between the KCIA and the U.S. intelligence agencies and built political inroads for Moon's organization. Now, while Moon's theology had been geopolitically ambitious, he saw his family as the means for realizing his vision. At the age of 40, he married his cook's daughter, a delicate 17-year-old beauty named Hak Ja Han, 
Yes, I said that right. 17-year-old. 17-year-old. 40, 17. Hmm. Moon claimed that their union marked the beginning of the, quote, complete testament era, which Moon would reverse the fall of man by making his wife pay penance for Eve's sins. Interesting. Go on. For three years, he stashed Hak Jahan in a rented room, kept her in bitter poverty, and forbid her from seeing her family. The goal was to rid her of Eve-like defiance and cultivate, quote, absolute obedience, end quote, so that she could bear children free of original sin by the winter of 1960, uh, the first of these perfect children had arrived. I'm stopping here for just a second. Okay. Are you freaking kidding me? Okay. I read this and I'm like, oh, okay, this is typical cult stuff. Young female, older male, few people qualify. But to lock her, say that's your wife and you lock her up for three years and in obviously bitter poverty and in a rented room, that's insane. Well, they isolated her and she was young so they were able to manipulate her mind they wanted her to become the true mother oh poor child oh my gosh the 60s i guess you know 1960 well, anyway it happens uh well, it was in the 50s actually that happened in the 50s because if they got if it was 1960 the first child showed up yes so it was 57 58 no 58 19 no 57 58 somewhere mm -hmm. in there yes holy cow Alrighty, back to the article Moon told his followers that he could join his sin-free bloodline by marrying a spouse of his choosing and engaging in a series of rituals. Hmm. First, the newlyweds would beat each other with a bat. Romantic. And then they would perform a three-day sex ceremony involving prescribed positions in front of Moon's portrait. Creepy. After the final sexual interlude in missionary positions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's gold. In missionary position, the bride would bow down to the groom and a confirmation that they had restored their lost ideal of goodness. Oh, my gosh. You can't make this up. I believe this. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Holly. <laughs> Moon returned to the United States in 1971 and two years later brought over the key to humanity's salvation. Of course. His rapidly growing family. By now, he and Hawk John Hahn had seven children. Oh, my gosh. Including 11-year-old Steve, 8-year-old Injun, 4-year-old Preston, and 3-year-old Justin. All the Moon kids were given both Korean and American names. Moon settled the family on a wooded 18-acre estate in the Hudson River Valley, which he christened East Garden. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I have something to ask. <laughs> Did they beat each other with bats by chance, just out of curiosity? Who? Uh, Moon and uh, Hog Jahan. Maybe, but it doesn't go into it. Oh. I doubt it because he was already a perfect man. <sighs> So she was become a, a perfect woman by her suffering. So now we're saying that from that time on, if you wanted to come to this, this is the rituals that you had to do. In front of a painting. Beautiful. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I apologize. Go ahead. He also began aggressively recruiting new followers who were expected to live in monk-like purity. Alcohol and drugs were off limits, and sex outside marriage was the worst possible sin punishable by eternal hellfire. 
His religion appealed to young people who liked the communal ethos of the counterculture, but not the drugs and free love. His growing army of heavenly soldiers raised money by hawking flowers and candles in airports and on street corners. Funds also poured in from Japan, the Eve Nation, where young devotees persuaded elderly Japanese widows to liberate their ancestors from hell by purchasing grossly overpriced trinkets. By 1974, the U.S. church was raking in $8 million a year. Not bad. Respect the hustle. Yes. Moon plowed this money into U.S. businesses, including a shipbuilding firm, a recording studio, a cable TV network, the New York Hotel in Manhattan, Mm. and a 50-state seafood operation. Hmm. He also began spending generously on political causes. At the height of the Watergate scandal, Moon and his followers organized God Loves Richard Nixon rallies on Capitol Hill and bought full-page pro-Nixon newspaper ads all over the country. Moon also assigned pretty young devotees to cozy up to lawmakers mm. with the goal of planting three in every senator's office. The women managed to insinuate themselves into several offices, including then Speaker of the House Carl Alberts, where they lobbied and collected information. Mm. These heavy-handed tactics led many to view Moon as a dangerous cult leader. Writing in the Daily Mail, the father of one of the former devotee described Moon's followers as mindless fundraising robots who had no ideals except the half-baked ravings of Moon who lived in splendor while his followers lived in forced penury. In 1976, the Congress began looking into a massive covert case CIA operation designed to sway U.S. policy towards South Korea. Now, the investigation found that the Moon organization was likely a political tool of the Korean spy agency and had systematically violated U.S. tax, immigration, banking, currency, and foreign agent registration act laws. In retaliation, the church filed a $30 million lawsuit against Representative Donald M. Frazier, who chaired the subcommittee behind the investigation that launched a brutal and ultimately successful campaign to scuttle Frazier's 1978 Senate bid. But despite their efforts, Moon was charged with tax evasion, uh, which we already know. A late 1970s Gallup poll found that Moon, quote, elicited one of the most overwhelmingly negative responses ever reported by a major poll. His only rivals uh, was Nikita Khrushchev and Fidel Castro. Good job. Meanwhile, even greater threat in this American project was brewing at this time was his very own home. Now, Moon expected his followers to sacrifice everything, but it wasn't true for his own family. Of course not. His wife and children, who are now numbered 13, holy cow, and run of the East Garden and its lavish manors, one which contained a bowling alley, six pizza ovens, a waterfall in the dining room. That's nice. Uh, Moon raised his uh, brood like the royal children he believed them to be. They attended private schools and had tutors imported from Japan, fast cars, purebred horses, even hunting weapons. Now, Mrs. Moon was not deeply involved in their upbringing, according to former church members. He spent much of her time shopping. Uh, Tim Porter, an ex-member who grew up near the family compound, calls her the Korean Imelda Marcos. Now, question for all of our younger listeners. Who is Imelda Marcos? She was the wife of... Well, oh, she was a wife, and then she became the leader of the Philippines. 
and she had a large shoe collection. But that wasn't her only fault. She had a lot of money that she took from the people of the Philippines. Now that shoe collection, what was that worth? I don't remember. I think it was a million dollars. Maybe. million dollar shoe collection. That's a nice collection. All right, go ahead. Sorry. The task of caring for the Messiah's children fell to his followers, who didn't dare discipline them. The moon kids were like gods, completely and utterly exempt from the rules, says Donna Orm Collins, a one-time unificationist whose father directed the British church. Moon's eldest son, Steve, a plain, slender boy, was particularly brazen. Hmm. In the late 1970s, he was expelled from an elite middle school for shooting students with a BB gun. Hmm. Moon sent him to live with Bo High Pack, but Steve's behavior only deteriorated. He started doing drugs and picking fights, and Pack was unable to rein him in. At one point, according to members of the Moon and Pack families, Pack even resorted to spanking his own son, a sweet, studious boy who went by the American name James Park, when Steve got out of line. Wow, he became a whipping boy. Yes, that is a true whipping boy. Wow. Moon eventually shipped Steve off to South Korea. There, according to a speech later Steve gave, he joined a rock band and started chugging a bottle of whiskey a day. According to several sources close to the family, including Trenner Rapkins, a former church member who grew up near East Garden, when Steve returned home in the early 1980s, he was more volatile than ever. He would start yelling, and mucus and spit would start flying out of his face, Rapkin recalls. Sometimes he would start throwing punches or waving his gun around. Oh, fun. Now, Steve's behavior made a deep impression on Injin, who had a taste for American culture and crafted the notion that women should be pure and differential. According to the sources close to the family, by the time she was 16, Jin was ac accompanying Steve on all-night drinking jaunts. She, quote, she basically worshipped him, says one of the members of the inner circle. She was really into partying and rock and roll because he played it. Afraid that American culture was corrupting his children, Moon turned to his religion's catch-all solution, marriage in 1982 an arranged marriage for steve to wed a naive 15 year old korean girl named nasu kong hong would later recall mrs moon telling her that she had been brought to america to reform steve if she failed she would be failing god that's a plenty of pressure right of course yes the following year moon's 17 year old son Hang Jin smashed his jeep into an icy freeway, and unfortunately, he died. This created a theology quandary for Moon, since according to his teaching, only married couples should enter God's kingdom. He solved his dilemma by arranging to have his dead son marry Bo Hai Pak's second eldest daughter, Julia. At the same time, In Jin, who was 18, was to wed Pak's teenage son, James, who had taken... The spanking for Steve. Dang. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Injin was mortified. According to family members, she had no interest in James, who was nerdy and quiet, and she was taken instead by his rowdy, handsome younger brother, Sam. But Moon insisted, and his wife stood by him despite everything she had endured in her own arranged marriage. She even agreed to co-officiate the macabre ceremony. 
First, Injun and James traded vows. Then Julia trudged down the aisle holding a photo of the dead Huang Jin, after which James gave a groveling speech. Quote, in a million years, I would never deserve to become the husband of Injun, unquote, he said. My mission is to work to deserve it for the rest of my life. The whole ordeal left Injun traumatized. Quote, she felt like it was institutional rape, unquote, says one member of her inner circle. Yeesh. Yet whenever resentments Injun harbored, she remained loyal to her father. Later that year, Moon was sentenced to 18 months in prison for the tax evasion charges. The church launched a $30 million campaign to overturn his conviction with Injin as his public face. Now, according to the Washington Post, in 1984 of July, thousands of evangelical pastors were invited to an on-expense-paid trip to Washington, D.C. Ooh, that's a nice trip. Uh, although billed as a pageant for religious freedom, the event <laughs> quickly evolved into a pro-moon rally with hundreds of devotees waving place cards that read, Reverend Moon, Innocent Victim of Bigotry. The emotional crescendo was a speech by Injin, who wept as she recalled the tears and sweat of her father had shed for America. And that is half of the story. Oh, I can't wait till we get into the other boys. To the rest of the, the story. The rest of the family. You think that's nuts? Ha! Oh, wait. it's only just begun. It's this is just the setup for the, what's yes. to happen. Oh, my gosh. Yes. The, the rest of it is Wow. That's all I can say. You just can't make this crap up. We'd be saying it all the time, but it's true. This this stuff is just insane. Alrighty, guys. Once again, we appreciate the uh, the feedback. We appreciate the positive comments. We appreciate your support, guys. And on that note, good night, Holly. Good night, Carl. <laughs>